Well, Merry Christmas. It is good to be with you. I'm Joel, and uh, this is my identical twin, Lanson. Right? We're about the same height. We look exactly the same. I mean, like, we look, you look nice today. Um, this, I just want you to think about it like this. So here's my brother. He is a dear friend, elder in this church, um, has given me multiple times of just wisdom and godly discernment. And it's fun to hang out with this guy um, because he's from the same tribe as Goliath. Um, and it's fun to be able to play basketball with this guy as well. Um, and sometimes I'm, you know, I'll play with some friends. I'm like, I'm going to guard Lanson. And he just laughs. He's like, yeah, this will be humorous. And he destroys me, of course. But it is fun because here's this guy, six, six, seven, um, and I'm, I am five, nine, and seven, eights. I'm more than average. Anybody else with me? I don't know what average is, but I'm more than that. Um, and so here I am, and it's, it's interesting because I want you to think for just a moment. He's not going to be out here long, don't worry. But think about King Herod. You're going to hear the story being read word for word in a second, but I want to make sure that this gets imprinted on your heart because here's King Herod. Wise men come. They're like, hey, guess what? There's a baby been born. Where's the, we saw the star. We need to follow it. We want to come and worship him. And Herod, because of a baby being born, all of a sudden it says that he's troubled. He calls everybody together. He says, what's going on? Wants to know where this baby is. He lies about it. Says, I want to come worship him, but he doesn't. He wants to kill him. And so even later on, when the, when, when the Lord warns Joseph and Mary and the baby to go to Egypt because Herod wants to kill them, even then he kills all the babies to and under. Why? Right? You, you would think that if Herod is, is this troubled, this concerned, and kills all these babies, you would think it's because they come and say, hey, all these guys are six, seven 610 all these all these big guys are coming and they're going to come after you and so Herod worries but instead it's not it's not this it's a baby you are wonderful you did great thank you so much um it was a it's a baby Babies are cute, right? They're snuggly. They even, we all, at one point, we all had cute feet. Babies have cute feet, and then we know they grow into something else later on in life, right? We, we recognize, here's a baby who we protect and we coddle, and we want to make sure that we protect him at all costs. In fact, we even, I remember when we, we were having our first kid, all of a sudden, um, we were given a, a breathable blanket. I didn't know there was such a thing, but it's to make sure that babies don't suffocate, right? And um, we want to protect these little babies and give them everything that they need to have and and we make sure that they have plenty of diapers and all these different things you why a baby I mean what what damage is a baby going to do to King Herod why is it that we we don't even see us any type of sign that King Herod even was remotely re, receptive to understanding what was coming and what the wise men were saying and what they were speaking and communicating about a baby being born into the world according to the start. We don't even see any, any remote idea or thought that he, hey, maybe I need to learn about this, but yet we know he knew of the prophecy. You're going to learn of this in a little bit. And so as we listen to the word of God, remember all of this. It wasn't 
It wasn't a Lance and Perrin who's 6'7", or all these other large, tall individuals coming and attacking. Uh, it was some wise men who came from a thousand miles away and said, hey, we saw the star. There's a baby. Why did Herod respond in such a way? And so for the reading of the word of God, would you stand with me, please? Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to have the first uh, four or five verses on the screen for you. And then I'm going to continue on beyond, uh, even past that for us to soak in what's happening here. Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of, of who? Herod the king. Herod the what? Okay. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born what? Oh, there it is. So here's Herod the king. King Herod, and now there's king of the Jews being born. Uh-oh, conflicting kings, what do we do now? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. But when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests, the scribes of the people. Really what he was doing, he was grabbing the smartest people he knew, the people in his council, the people in his sphere, sphere of influence. And so he calls them together and he inquires of them where the Christ is to be born. Where is this? And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophets. So this is right now. They're being spoken about the prophecies. Again, maybe you've struggled to, to understand who Jesus is in your own life. But I'm telling you, just look at the prophecies. Over, if you look at the hundreds of prophecies over thousands of years, right away your heart would be open and receptive to Jesus being a king that you've never imagined before. Because here that's being spoken in. They say, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. So he's wanting to, get the, he's wanting to bring the wise men in and get them on his side. Right? And he says, brings them in secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, hey, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship. Liar. Right? After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I love that. They see the star, they find the baby, and it says they, re they rejoiced exceedingly. Like just that would be enough, but they, don't, they do more than that because they knew whom they were encountering. It says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now, even in this, we know that in verse 13, 14, and 15, um, Joseph is also warned in a dream. And so they take off and they go to Egypt in order to be protected. And so we see that happening. And then right after that, in 16, 17, and 18, what we discover 
is that Herod, he found out that he was tricked. And so the wise men go back a different way. All of this is being uncovered to him. And so as a result of that, what we discover is that he became furious, verse 16 and 17, so that he sent and killed all the, all the male children in Bethlehem and in that entire region that were two years old and under. So here we have very different responses. We have some educated individuals, the wise men, who traveled roughly 1,000 miles for 18 to 24 months to come and to discover Jesus Christ. They knew the prophecies, one after another, being fulfilled, and so they came to worship him. Just that should wake you up. And then we have another guy who wouldn't even consider the fact that this could be coming to fruition, and he is so adamant in who he was and what he wanted, he would not even consider it. And it took him to the point of where he even killed every single boy to and under in that region. Wow, what different responses. What different responses. Where even King Herod, as you know, his response is in verse 3, it tells us that he was troubled. In verse 4, he wants to find the baby. He urged them to find the baby so that then in verse 7, he's lying to them. Why? Because I want to also come and worship. And we know that he doesn't want to come and worship. Guys, he lied right away. Listen, when you begin to lie about certain things, um, about anything, really all that is doing is it's revealing your insecurities. That's all it's doing. It's revealing your insecurity. So I teach my own children. Uh, sometimes they're like, well, that wasn't a full lie. I'm like, any lie is a lie. It doesn't really matter. Can we stop calling them white lies, blue lies, pink lies? I don't care what they are. It's a lie. And so I, I talked to them. I was like, what you're doing is revealing insecurities. Well, I don't want them to know. I, no, it's, it's showing your own insecurities. And you're, you're wanting to tear someone else down. Or you're wanting to make sure that you feel better by tearing somebody else down. All these other things come into play. Well, here's Herod. You're going to discover about Herod. He's got to be one of the most insecure people out there. And you're going, how is that possible? He's, the, he's king. How is, how is he one of the most insecure people out there? Well, you're going to see that unfold here. And that's really what I'm wanting us to do today is I want to answer one very, very simple question that I pray will force us to examine how we view Jesus Christ. Why did Herod want to kill Jesus so badly? Now, another way of thinking about it is why, why was Herod, why did he have no receptivity no acceptance, even a, a possible thought that Jesus could be this son of God, the Messiah. He knew the prophecies. Why is it that he would respond in such a strong manner? In fact, how are you responding to Jesus Christ being the son of God? Have you fully received him? Have you fully accepted him? And some of us, let's, let's just call it for what it is. There's a lot of people out there today, maybe this is you, who you like the idea of going, hey, yeah, here's Jesus, son of God, because then I have eternal life if I say I believe in him. But you've actually not fully accepted who he is. Why, why do we struggle with that? And I, when, when we're looking at the life of Herod, I think we're going to see some similarities in maybe what our posture is toward Jesus. So I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can as we look at this, why was Jesus, why wasn't he accepted? Why wasn't he received even as a baby? 
And many of the answers that we're going to discover from 2,000 years ago when it comes to Herod, I think will match many of the answers that we would give today. And right away you're going, well, that's, that's a strong response. I mean, we're not going out and, and, and killing people for it. I would say, yes, we are. And we'll get to there in a moment. Here's, here's the struggle. Why did Herod try to kill Jesus? And, then, and maybe you can relate. Very first thing. Only I'm going to give you three things. So write them down. It's not going to be hard. Get out a, a, a pen and paper. Get out a phone. Act like you're writing it down. Get out, even if you don't have a phone, get out a wallet and act like you're using that as something so that it gets into your head and that you can really examine where you are. Very first thing, Herod was only interested in furthering self. This was his first issue. If you know anything about Herod at all, you're going to understand that you have Caesar Augustus Caesar Augustus is here, and he's actually in charge, but he would give other people and allow them to be king of a region that they were, in, that they were responsible for, that they are in charge of, and he would have two primary responsibilities. So King Herod had two primary responsibilities. One was to keep the peace. He wanted to make sure he would keep the peace no matter what, and the other is to make sure that Caesar Augustus received the taxes from the people, that they got, that they got their portion of the bank. Those are the primary responsibilities, so he needed to keep the peace no matter what so that he could keep his influence and his significance and his power. And one of the primary ways he would do that is by making sure that Caesar Augustus, that Rome would receive the taxes that they were wanting to receive. And so here he is. Herod actually wasn't even the rightful king. In fact, it took him, he fought for three years in order to gain the position that he had. He knew what he wanted to do. He wanted this position. He wanted this influence. He wanted this power. And so he was unable to really even consider Jesus being who he really was because he was only interested in furthering self. And sometimes our our desire to further self gets in the way of our understanding that Jesus Christ has come for every single one of us. We can't comprehend That Christ would come and that we should surrender, that we should give up our life for him. And so as a a military general, as a politician, as a builder, Herod was awesome. But we need to know, as a king, he was absolutely horrible. He was a tyrant in many regards. And he's only interested in furthering self. And I've always said this about Herod, and I think it's true of many people even today. But Herod lived a life governed in who he desired to be rather than who he was created to be. I said this several years ago here because I think it's so true for us. Herod was living life governed in which he desired, the, the, the desires of his heart, rather than even ever examining how he was created, what he was created for, how he was designed. One of the reasons many of us have strife today is we have a certain desire and we want to chase that desire no matter what. And if we don't think God is giving us that desire, we get upset with God. And yet we never ask God, what are you asking of me? What are you wanting from me? And here's King Herod, who's only interested in furthering self. It's one of the reasons Herod, he would do everything anything to remove anyone from jeopardizing his position but that's what we find in number two here here's another way of thinking about it Herod fought for power and Jesus died for people so right there you've got conflicting 
kings. You've got two completely different standards. Herod would fight for power and influence no matter what. And yet Jesus Christ, king of the Jews, came in order to die for people so that we might have life abundantly. Herod was all about suppressing people and making sure that they would sit under his thumb. And yet Jesus Christ was all about freeing us from captivity of our own sin so that we might walk eternally with him and to do the will of the Father to bring him glory for his purpose. Pretty big difference, yes? Are you, are, okay, you know, are you following me? Yes? yes? We all know, I will start over. I'll get the tall guy to come back. And so there's this struggle that we have. Because here we're just fighting for power. Some of you, you may be fighting for power and fighting for influence. And yet the model, the example of Jesus is dying for us so that we might have life. Do you see the conflicting problem here, the, the conflicting kings, the mentality that they had? And so Herod couldn't even dream. In a, hey, there was no part, I believe, of Herod's heart that was going, yeah, there could be something greater than me because all he was concerned about was making himself great. And there are many people today, if we don't believe that God is making us greater, then we want nothing to do with God. And you will be in for a very rude awakening. Herod fought for power. Jesus died for people. He was so insecure and he would do absolutely anything in order to remove any potential rivals. We know this with no remorse. He was killing his own family in order to remove them as jeopardizing his authority and his position and his power. And some of us, we go, man, this is the way I'm built. I am wired. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to chase this. And if anybody gets in my way, I will, I will knock them out of the way. Friends. Don't be a Herod. Don't be a Herod. Third thing. Reason... King Herod wanted to try to kill Jesus and often the reason we're not receptive is because Herod's pride and another word you can write right beside pride if you would just make a slash you can write insecurity Herod's pride insecurity we know that these are twins I often refer to those as one and the same Herod's pride Herod's insecurity wouldn't allow him to submit to Jesus you see, sometimes we don't want to submit to Jesus because that means we have to actually go, you know what? Maybe I've been chasing me and not been, maybe I haven't been chasing the will of the Father. And that takes humility, not pride. That takes somebody who will, who will have a different type of posture in life. One of the reasons we fail to celebrate truly the birth of Jesus Christ is because we actually haven't fully received the birth of Jesus Christ because that would interfere with ourself. Herod's identity was threatened by Jesus. And if we really want the self-evaluation, sometimes our identity that we've built for ourselves, it's threatened if we receive Jesus Christ as king. (laughs) 
Herod is an individual. He had already built his identity. His own ideas and his own desires. And his identity and his desires, his ideas, they were all threatened by submitting to Jesus Christ as king. Right, here comes Jesus. And if we could just leave that up there for a while. Because here comes Jesus and he's wanting to step into the world in order to have a relationship with them. And this is important. You need to know a lot of the decisions that we make here at church is based on how do we help people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right, every decision today, if you, if you make any decision in life, if you haven't figured it out, uh, in 2020, it's going to be scrutinized. No matter what. But I'll tell you, we make decisions here as leaders to get together because we know we gain wisdom from each other and, and through prayer. And we're making the decisions that we're making because we believe that Jesus Christ, one, we're called to worship him corporately. And two, he desires to be in relationship with us. And we need to be in relationship with one another to spur each other on to know the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ. And so here he comes to have a relationship, but some of us have different desires and different ideas and a different identity. And one of the things that we have to examine is that Christ wants to be in relationship with us. But we struggle to sometimes be in relationship with him because we haven't fully embraced who he is as the son of God because you already have your plans. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I've got to get this degree or I have to have this job and then I can get this promotion and then this is what my plan is here and this is how my plan is here. And listen, one of the things I've learned is that you're going to discover much more about you in the midst of the, 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 the storm than you are when everything's calm. And I discovered so many times that Jesus, Herod couldn't even begin to accept who Jesus was because his ideas, his current identity was so wrapped up in self. For Herod, the accepting who Jesus was actually threatened his own identity. Does accepting Jesus Christ threaten your identity that you've established, that you've built for yourself over the course of the years? Because here's Herod, and what Herod is doing, he's going, I'm going to chase this, I'm going to have this power, this influence, this, this, these initiatives in my life so that I can prop myself up, so I can better myself. That's what Herod was doing. But when you embrace Jesus Christ as the Son of God, now actually all you're wanting to do is the will of the Father. Here's Herod. I will chase self, I will chase my own power, my own influence. Here's Jesus whatever the will of the Father is. You know how many times we see through his messianic ministry in those three years, three and a half years, well, how many times we see Jesus Christ simply going, I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do the will of the Father. Are you walking through life going, I want to do the will of the Father? Or are you walking through life and going, I want to obtain my own objectives. And I promise you that God's desires for you are greater than your own. You're going, well, that's a pretty bold statement. Well, I believe that the word of God is fully from God. And he already tells us his ways are what? Greater than our ways. Amen. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. Amen. 
And sometimes we don't see that, we don't understand that, we're not living in the relationship with him, and we haven't fully received and accepted who he is because our own identity, we are not willing to let it go. I, friends, I am begging you to release your current identity so that you can be absolutely enamored by the love of God. It'll knock you off your feet. It'll alter everything in your life. Don't stand at a distance and go, oh yeah, I see, I heard that story once about Jesus. Step into the story. Step into the story of who Jesus Christ is. That'd be my big question for you to even walk away with today. Have Have you limited your acceptance of Jesus because it threatens your own identity? Have you limited how you understand who Jesus Christ to be because it threatens what your desires are in life? One of the ways that you know you've truly accepted Jesus Christ is when you can wake up in the morning and instead of saying, I better get this done, you go, God, what is your will? Thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The worship of Jesus will always, the worship of Jesus will always threaten the worship of self. Always. Will you worship Jesus? Will you worship Jesus? Are you worshiping Jesus? When when people step into your life and they come, oh, I've come to worship the Lord. Does it cause you to bristle up or does it it cause you to surrender and say, I want to worship the Lord? The purpose of my life is simply to make Jesus known. God's glory, God's purpose. Will you receive him as king? God, I come before you and I give you thanks that you are king. And I'm asking that you would allow us to examine how we are each willing to receive you as king, as Messiah, as Savior. God, give us the the courage to really examine whether or not we're willing to shift our own identity so that our identity can be now found in you. Allow us to to muster up the courage to really examine it if we like the idea of who you are or if we've actually truly received you as being the Son of God. And so we hand you our calendar and we hand you our checkbook, we hand you our families and our careers and our jobs, we hand you our education, we hand you our retirement plan, we hand you all of it because we know that God, you, 
and human flesh stepped into this world so that we might have a covenant with you, so that we might be redeemed in you, so that we might know true life in you. God, thank you. May our identity be in you, please, God. In Christ's name.